This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. I've traveled over 140 countries around the world. I'll paraphrase the phrase in my old neighborhood. The rest of the countries, the world's not a patch on our genes. If we do what we want to do, we need to do. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. What is he talking about? BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go. Use the promo code Stu, save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate it. Click the bell for reminders. Do all the things the algorithms want you to do. Best lesson you can learn in life. Always listen to algorithms. TJ Moe is going to join us in a little bit. The latest on the Damar Hamlin situation. Adam Kinziger has found a, neck, a new gig and it's going to shock you. You're going to be stunned where this man is now going to be working. But we start by doing CNN's baggage. You know, um, one, of the, one of my favorite segments on this stupid show is a segment called Idiots Gluing Themselves to Things. I love this segment because basically it's a bunch of um, moronic climate activists who have decided to draw attention to the climate. They're going to glue themselves to things like the floor or uh, a railing or a a, a podium. There's been so many cars. There's been so many good examples of and we've been able to exploit them for our own purposes over and over and over again. And that's what we like to do here. Take other people's idiocy and turn it directly into dollars. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, But lately, we had a a disturbing report that one of the organizations that has been sending its activists out to glue themselves to things has decided they're going to stop gluing themselves to things. This is terrible news. I want more gluing people to things, not less gluing people to things. Now they're starting to do some of this other stuff. In fact, we saw the latest protest. This is in uh, France. Climate activists have spray-painted the entrance to the French PM's office. Now, of course, this also does not do anything to make anyone aware of the climate. It's just as ineffective. The only problem is spray paint's boring. No one's hands are glued to anything when you spray paint something. Here's a close-up of it. I mean, it's not really all that impressive, but yes, we are calling them eco-terrorists because... I guess the door is orange. Now, I I don't know. But now you know about the climate. Did you know about the climate? Did you know there's a climate? There is a climate. And now you know about it because of orange paint on the prime minister's door. Congratulations, climate terrorists. I don't know. Does this stuff work on anybody? I don't think so. Especially when you see how little meat there is on the bone. There's just no depth to the climate thing whatsoever. And I wanted to draw your attention to this report from CNN. And we, we're calling this 
Stu does CNN's baggage, not because of the normal baggage that CNN carries around, like their hosts are molesting people or they are you know, illegally doing things or getting fired or laying thousands of people, whatever normally is going on over at CNN. No, this time it's actually about bags. Yeah. Here's how many times you need to reuse your reusable grocery bags. I don't know if they realized they put this on their website. You go to CNN.com, you don't go there for this type of thing. We've been doing the CNN rehab segment here to see if CNN's going to be able to push back from their crazy Trump days. And I don't know. This might be evidence that they are because they decided to actually tell the truth about the difference between plastic bags that you get at the grocery store and those eco-friendly, reusable ones. Let me take you through, because you might think, I don't like these reusable bags. You might actually like them. And if you like them, I gotta say, go ahead and use them. Go ahead, make sure you wash them. Remember, these are supposed to be washed in the washing machine, because if you don't wash them in the washing machine, over and over again, we've seen people get sick because the juices from like your meat seep out to the bottom of the bag. Then you put your fruit to the bottom of the bag. If it's not washed properly, people get sick. So make sure you're washing them in the washing machine and the dryer, which of course uses more resources. You're not going to want to do this for the climate. But if you like them, some people just like them because they're more sturdy and they don't, you know, they, they just think they prefer them. If that's you, that's totally fine. But if you're doing it for the climate, maybe you should understand exactly what this means. Here, now, they've been doing this across the country. They've been banning plastic bags. They've been putting these other sort of like reusable bag um, bills in where they'll either fine you for using a plastic bag. Sometimes they'll, they'll charge you for it. Or they will make you buy a reusable bag. And the thought is, you use that re- reusable bag, you bring the stuff home, and you don't throw it out. You put it in a drawer somewhere, and then next time you go to the grocery store, you just take that bag out, you bring it back to the grocery store. Now, no one I know actually does this, right? <laughs> Nobody does this, because you don't, rem- you don't plan ahead to go to the grocery store. I gotta make sure I have a bag, or I'm not gonna be able to carry this stuff at the grocery store. That's not in the American mindset whatsoever, unless you're some sort of person that glues yourselves to things, right? That's Those are the only people who think that way. Now, in New Jersey, they did this, and... How's that working out? CNN has the information. In New Jersey, this year's ban on single-use plastic and paper bags has meant grocery delivery services have switched to heavy-duty bags. Their customers now complain of a glut of reusable heavy-duty bags that they don't know what to do with. Now, (laughs) the one thing about a cheap, flimsy, good old plastic bag is that it's not necessarily something you're thinking about keeping. You might have a drawer, you might have a little basket. We have a little basket that has a few plastic bags in case we need it for something. But like generally speaking, you could just throw them out. That's the the utility of a plastic bag. If you're getting a ton of thick, durable bags, it's gonna be a pain to keep around. And of course, more resources are used for those bags. Now in the United Kingdom where this author lives, the average person now buys around three single-use carrier bags a year, down from 140 in 2014. This is the year before the change was, uh, charge was levied on single-use bags. So they have a charge that's going to make you, scare you away from single-use bags, okay? So the number has gone from 140 a year to three. Resounding success, right? This policy has worked as designed, Right? However, Greenpeace said UK supermarkets in 2019 sold 1.58 billion 
durable plastic bags, known here as known here as bags for life. That is the equivalent of 57 per household and more than one bag per week. And this was a 4.5% increase compared to 2018. So they had the flimsy one-use plastic bags. People were buying those. They changed the rules, so no one buys those anymore. Now they buy tons and tons and tons of thicker, more durable plastic bags, which are much worse for the environment than the original plastic bags. But what does that mean exactly? How much worse? Is it really close? How many times do you have to use one of these bags? so that it evens out as far as environmental effect. Oh, you're going to appreciate that. By the way, they even CNN writes, this suggests that the model, which is the plastic bag fine, wherever a heavier bag is, in, is offered to encourage reuse, is simply not working. Now, what happens when you have these thicker plastic bags out there? What goes on? Well, we have some of that information again, thanks to CNN. A report produced for the United Nations Environmental Program in 2020 found a thick and durable bag. This is the, um, the bag, the, the one that uh, we were talking about here, the more durable plastic bag. They often have a woven feel. Must be used for an estimated 10 to 20 times compared to a one-use single bag, while a slimmer but reusable uh, bag 5 to 10 times. So somewhere between 5 and 20 times. Now, I'll take you back just to remind you of the number. People went from 140 bags down to three. But then they also purchased 57 thicker bags. 57 times five or 10 or 20 is much more than the original number of 140 bags. So this is not good. Not positive if you care about the climate and the environment. And I know you do because you're a good person. Now, you might say, well, that's not that bad. Right. And that's a, a, a durable plastic bag. Why don't we go a little bit a little bit more upscale? The real ones are cotton because cotton is natural. OK, we all know, unlike plastic, cotton is natural and everything natural is good. Everything natural is better. Some chemicals will kill you in, in seconds. And sure, there's, you know, I mean, snake venom is natural. So I, I don't know that everything natural is good, but let's just say everything natural is good. What happens when you get one of those nice cotton reusable bags? Hmm. The cotton tote has become a cheap status symbol for anyone, brands and individuals, wanting to eschew plastic and show off their green credentials. And so much of this is about showing off your green credentials. It's got nothing to do with the earth. It's got nothing to do with the climate. It has to do with showing off your environmental street cred. Uh, you know, this goes back to the Prius. The Prius came out and they found that the over, first of all, people were making well over six figures that were buying them. But the overwhelming number one reason to buy a Prius, according to people who bought a Prius, was they wanted to send a message to everyone else, to show everyone else how in wonderfully enlightened they were. And so people bought these cars to show off their environmental street cred. And now people buy cotton bags at grocery stores to show off their environmental street cred. But what does cotton actually do to the environment as opposed to very thin, you know, toss away plastic bags? Cotton is a resource intensive crop. 
that requires lots of water and uses a substantial amount of pesticides and fertilizers, which introduce nitrates to land and waterways and results in the creation of nitrous oxide, a greenhouse gas. This means its environmental footprint is bigger than many people appreciate. Don't you know someone? You're thinking of right now, you know that environmental nut job that you know, it's a friend of yours, and she thinks she's so wonderful. She thinks she's above you, and she's getting her nice big cotton bags. She's lugging them back and forth and you know, getting some salmonella on the side occasionally, sure. But she's so much better for the earth than you, the person who, when they say paper or plastic, you say plastic. You're a bad person. She's a good person, right? Well, let's get into it. Does she hit these standards? According to a U.N. report, a cotton bag needs to be used 50 to 150 times to have less impact on the climate compared to one single-use plastic bag. Now, my guess is the typical cotton bag could theoretically last 50 to 150 times. Probably won't break down before then, right? But really? I mean, how many years are you toting around the same bag? Some people might do it this way. Some people might get to 50 or 150 trips to the store with the same bag. Do you know any of those people? Do you believe any of those people? Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe I'm understating how dedicated these people are to our planet. All right, well, let's just go a little deeper because that's just the climate. Remember, there's pesticides, there's water damage, there's all sorts of things. So what if we wrap it all up? What if we look at the entire picture? Yes, CNN has done that, and let me give you the fabulous results. A 2018 Danish Environmental Protection Agency report suggested that a cotton bag should be used at least 7,100 times to offset its environmental impact when compared to a classic supermarket plastic bag that's reused once as a trash bag and then incinerated. And that's what you do with these bags, right? You take them home, maybe you throw them in your little tiny like office trash bag, and then you throw it away. Or maybe you're putting your you know, leftovers from dinner, you're throwing them away into the plastic bag, you tie it up, you throw it away. That's the typical life cycle of a one-use plastic bag. Do you know anyone? Has it ever, I mean legitimately, has it ever occurred? Has any cotton bag ever been used 7,100 times? Has it occurred once in all of human history? One time, 7,100, how many trips, how many years of grocery trips is 7,100? I mean, what? let's just say you go 100 times a year. I mean, you are looking at a lifetime a lifetime. We haven't even had these bags existing long enough for anyone to prove they've ever hit this standard one time. And everyone tells you you're supposed to do it. Do you realize how flimsy this is? Now, of course, there are some problems with the cotton bags that you know the left and environmentalists will admit to, right? They will say, yeah, you know, there's some problems. For example, they're not, you know, not the cotton isn't even organic cotton all the time. That's that's a problem with these bags. Luckily, the same study looked at what happens <laughs> what happens when they're organic cotton bags. And I think you'll appreciate the results. If that cotton is organic, the figure is an eye-popping 20,000 times. 
you have to reuse the cotton bag, with the report assuming a lower yield, but the same input of raw materials. 20,000 times. I have news for you. No human being could ever use the bag over and over again 20,000 times. It's legitimately impossible. Every single single-use plastic bag is a step to the greenest planet possible, according to these crazy people who are telling you to use reusable bags of organic cotton. Even regular cotton, 7,100 times. This is insanity. And you know what? None of it matters. None of it matters. Even, of course, if it did have some level of environmental impact, it would be so small that it couldn't even be measured. But forget that for a second. The point here is not to make the the earth a better place. It's not to make it more sustainable. It's not to make you more environmentally friendly. It is to make you show off for your friends. Some people look at you and say, wow, oh, you you have a cotton bag. That must mean that you care. And that feeling of seeing other people that you like telling you that you care is enough to absolutely obliterate the environment and none of these people care about it. We are going to, at some point in the future, we are going to have a, a cataclysm of cotton bags. Do you remember the, what was the, uh, the William Shatner movie with the spiders? Do you remember that movie, Kingdom of the Spiders, maybe? I don't know, we're going back to like the 70s, maybe, early 80s. And, you know, there was, there was one of those movies where like all these spiders came to this town and they, they overran the town and they ate all the people, basically. And then at the end of the movie, there is this zoom out where you see the house that they're in is just enclosed in a web because there's so many spiders around. And then as they slowly zoom out, eventually the entire globe is encapsulated in a web. And that's essentially where we're going to end up with, with cotton bags eventually. I'm pretty sure that's the end of our story here on Earth. Eventually, we're all smothered to death by thousands and thousands and millions and billions of cotton bags uh, that people just decided to throw out. And they piled up, and then they, they fell over on everyone. And then spiders came in and put it all inside a giant web. That's, it's a longer story, maybe a good sequel. But the point is, none of this stuff means anything. Everyone will tell you to do it anyway. And now we have even CNN pointing out the truth that just because an environmental policy makes you feel good doesn't mean it does or accomplishes anything. Are you tired of feeling like your personal data is at risk or worrying that big tech is watching every move that you make? If you don't want anyone else knowing where you've been, who you met, what you're talking to, what you're thinking, StartMail is the perfect solution for protecting your privacy and giving you peace of mind. StartMail's secure email service keeps your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes and protects you from spam. Every message can be encrypted or password protected. And when you delete an email, You know how you're supposed to delete an email and it goes away? Well, that doesn't happen with most email services. But if you delete an email with StartMail, it's gone forever. You get unlimited disposable email aliases to keep your real identity hidden online. With just a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider and start taking advantage of StartMail's enhanced privacy protection. You sign up today and get uh, 50% off your first subscription year. 
There's never been a better time to go to startmail.com slash stew and join the thousands of people who have chosen Startmail for their email security needs. That's Startmail, start with a T, S-T-A-R-T, startmail.com slash stew. Startmail.com slash stew. Get 50% off right now at startmail.com slash stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm happy to welcome TJ Moe back to the program. He's a former wide receiver for the University of Missouri and a Blaze TV contributor on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. TJ, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, It's been a crazy week here when we look at what's going on in the NFL. We have this great update that has happened today. Let me give it to everybody quickly. Uh, Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin, uh, opened his eyes last night and is responsive. Truly incredible. One thing that's very clear from those speaking, uh, speaking to those close to him, they are endlessly appreciative of the medical care given to Hamlin on the field immediately then over the last 72 hours. That's from Ian Rappaport. They had a big press conference uh, today to kind of explain that there's been some real improvement. Uh, Were you watching the game when this happened? What was your immediate reaction? I was not watching it as it happened. I was actually on the phone with uh, Jason Whitlock. We were discussing something else work-related, and then uh, he called me back 10 minutes later and said, hey, man, are you watching this? And so I, like everybody else, you know, tuned in just to see because – um, you know, it's first time I can recall somebody getting CPR on the field mm-hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> I, I appreciated the response from the players. Um, you know, the, each team was kneeling and doing, I think exactly what you should do in that moment. And that is pray. If you believe in the power of prayer, then interceding is, is your duty at that moment. Um, and he was able to pull through. I, I think the media has probably screwed this up about as bad as you could possibly do ESPN that night on Monday night football would not go to break, whether it was trying to get their commercials in or what they were trying to do. I'm not sure. Um, but they would kick it to Joe Buck who would not have anything to say. Troy Aikman, I don't think said a word the entire time that I was watching Joe Buck would say, let's go to Susie Colburn studio. Susie would sit there and say something sad and then she'd kick it to Adam Schefter who would, uh, know that it was his time to talk for a little while, say nothing. He'd cook it, kick it over to Booger McFarlane who uh, looked annoyed that they were asking him to talk again, and then they go to break and do the same thing over and over again. So I think that was a disaster. And then all of the ensuing days now listening to guys like Ryan Clark, Dominic Foxworth, Stephen A. Smith, just been an absolute disaster. People are sad. That's understandable. Um, But the media response to this has been disgraceful. Let's talk about some of the response to this, because one thing I found interesting watching the news on a day-to-day basis We see tragedy often in our society, unfortunately. We've seen really terrible things happen, like, for example, a mass shooting. And you see a mass shooting happen, and, you know, conservatives, religious people often come to the table and say, gosh, you know, this is terrible. Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims of what's happened here. That's a subject for mockery from a lot of the people on the left in the media. They say thoughts and prayers aren't enough. They don't really matter. Stop, you know, telling us all of your fake religious stuff. And, you know, it's a totally different vibe with this. And like, look, I think this is the right vibe, right? The right vibe is to say, gosh, yes, everyone, let's pray. Let's get together because thoughts and prayers do matter. Really, prayers more than thoughts. 
Um, however, I, I'm, I'm fascinated as to why there's this difference. Is it just politics? Well, <clears throat> there was no gun involved. So what do they have to push? I mean, that's that's truly because followed by the sentence that you just said, thoughts and prayers are not enough. We need to do something. We need to ban AR-15s. That is always the next sentence. So, of course, it's political. Um, one thing I've been thinking about is uh, I've been having this discussion with some of our producers on, on Fearless. In a moment where this guy's life is hanging in the balance, I mean, he's actually being resuscitated on the field and he gets put in the ambulance and we get no report. We have no idea if this guy's dead or alive. No update the rest of the night. The first real update we had, I think, was yesterday where he said, we think he's going to be OK. And so during that time, people don't know what to do, particularly people that I think are not spiritual. Um, what they do is whatever they can think to do. And that that's why his GoFundMe is going nuts right now. Yeah. He had a GoFundMe up. For, it was a charity for, I think it was a children's hospital or something. I can't remember. Um, had it up for his, his hometown. Goal was $2,500. It's sitting at $7.5 million right now. There's been over 228,000 people donate to this. And this is people who just want to do something to help him feeling as though they have no control. Right? And I think believers, like if, if you believe in Jesus, you believe in healing, you believe in the power of God, your prayers actually do matter. Right. And so the single greatest thing you could do for someone who's in need of a health miracle is pray. Your money's worthless. It doesn't matter. I could walk into that hospital today and give one hundred million dollars to that doctor and it helps him. It helps Damar Ham Hanlon live. No more than it otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. So your prayers really do matter. And that's something that Christians understand, not as well as I think they should, but Christians do understand. Um, and so that's why it, you should feel more disrespected when people say, well, thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Well, it's all you got. And if, you, if, if you're not a believer, just stay out of it because you're not helping. And it's, it's also like something that's so demeaning. It's like if you are a believer, it's the most personal, effective thing that you can do. You, even if you're not a believer, you should recognize that about someone who is, right? I mean, like this is a, a step taken because someone cares so much. They're asking for the ultimate power to try to help in this situation. And to be mocked and ridiculed in all these other situations is telling. And it's also telling here. When there's no political agenda, there isn't any pushback against that phrase at all. Well, that's exactly right. Now. I, I do want to give props to one guy, Dan Orlovsky. Mm. I didn't quite have the courage to say the name Jesus. He's a Christian. So uh, he was most of the way there. And it's about the ballsiest thing that's happened on ESPN in the last you know, 20 years. But he prayed live on air. He's like, yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm sad. This is weird. Uh, I feel like I'm being led to do this. I'm going to bow my head and pray right now. And he did, um, which I, I'm telling you, that's earth shattering at ESPN. And so. I do want to give him credit where I'm disappointed with the media really in general is that each one of these guys, Stephen A. Smith. I mean, he went on a, a rant. He was, <clears throat> I mean, for a guy that should know sports, um, I, it's, it's, he started talking about, you know, it's one thing if a guy just gets leveled and it's a bone crushing hit and you're like, you know, that's expected, but it's a totally different thing if it's just a normal hit. Now, what are you going to do? The NFL has now got to double down and commit to safety. And it's like, dude, this hit had nothing to do with football. Nothing. I've played. I played football for 17 years. Um, Damar Hamlin. 
I guarantee you has been hit harder than that hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. If he's right. been playing football for more than a decade, you could hit harder than that in practice every day in practice. And so what this was, was a freak accident. No different than getting struck by lightning. No, we, we would not be thinking about how a public safety, when somebody gets struck by lightning, we don't have national conversations about public safety, right? Roofers fall off the roof every day in America right? Oftentimes that leads to a fatal death. Loggers, that's one of the highest fatality rates in America. People have cut down trees. We've got all these professions and these guys like Ryan Clark and again, Dominic Foxworth, Steve A. Smith, they're acting as though football is at fault here. Football had nothing to do with this. This is a tragedy. And what they're doing is they're using this tra tragedy to one, try to coerce the NFL into giving the players a better deal. And number two, they want to raise their own profile because each one of them has an audience behind them applauding them for finally saying it. And it's, just, it's Ryan Clark. I don't know if you know Ryan Clark's backstory. He had, uh, he has sickle cell disease. And so he went to, uh, he played for the Steelers and he went to Denver one year and ended up because, of the, you know, sickle cell has something to do with the red blood cells and such. And he lost his spleen. And I think some other issue cost him the game. He was in the hospital for a long time and ended up costing him the season, came back to play a healthy guy. Uh, everything's good, but that had nothing to do with football. And he's telling the story as though football almost cost him his life. And these guys are out there, uh, risking their life all the time and we need to appreciate them and, and stop complaining about fantasy football and you're like dude the the median salary in the nfl is seven hundred and five thousand dollars okay the median salary in america is forty six thousand dollars you're getting paid an unbelievable wage like the highest in the history of uh the world on average, right? Uh, through all of human history, you're some of the most handsomely paid people that have ever existed. And you're not actually risking your life because the only person that's ever died on the field in a game was in 1971, one guy, and he had a heart attack and, and some sort of blood clot to his heart. So it's not like you're, you're really not out there risking your life. And you may have some health issues, but you're paid up front for that. And so these guys, uh, it, instead of saying this is really sad, but it had nothing to do with football, they're putting football through the ringer for no reason, and I'm tired of it. Yeah, you know, and I think there's a lot to that too. I mean, obviously, some of these sports, you know, uh, commentators, you know, they're gonna. Some of them are just hot take artists, but like, I think there's a real movement on the left to target something like football because it's such a central part of our culture. You know, it's called American football around the world, right? It's so central to this country. It's the biggest show every single week. The biggest show every single year is the Super Bowl. It's more than just a sport. And, and, and I wanted to, maybe you could talk, to TJ, about like the risk assessment that goes into this. You played football. You, you know, were an NFL level player. You were a person who looked at this and looked at this risk assessment and decided to go for it. We see even DeMar Hamlin, before he can even speak, one of the first things he writes as a question is, did we win the game? Like, yeah. th these are people who are making this choice as uh, with their own free agency and saying, hey, I want to do this. I know there are risks associated with it. It might be injuries. It's usually not death in almost every single circumstance. But it's important to allow people to take risks, to be able to live the life that they want to live. And I feel like there's a giant part of our culture that's trying to take that choice away. No question. We're being feminized. Football is not a sport for women. And there's a reason for that. And there's a lot of 
look, call me a misogynist to have at it. But when when women are on TV talking about these things, they're saying what I expect them to say. And they're, they're worried about the safety. They're worried about it, how violent the game is that that's innate in women They're that that's why they're such great mothers. They have to take care of their children. Right. But the men should not be on TV crying about this. And they are. They should be saying this is horrible. Um, this is a gladiator sport. It's a man sport. It's, it's a hard sport and we'll try to make it as safe as we can, which is why we've made incredible rules. Many of which I do not agree with, you know, they, the, the targeting did not come into play until my senior year of college, uh, 2012 at Mizzou is the first year there was targeting that I'm aware of. And so the way they do targeting today has, has so feminized the sport. I mean, it's a, there's the, um, there's some skits out there where it's like, if you go to, you go to tackle a quarterback. Now you got to put a blanket over the top of him, lay a pillow down and then just set him down real nicely because <laughs> otherwise you're going to get a penalty. It's going to be a 15 yard penalty. You're going to get thrown out of the game and they get, you know, 35 points. Right. Mm. Um, that is where we are today in the game. Football is not meant to be Ronnie lot, right? He had some sort of, finger injury at one point. And so they're like, ah, we're going to have to do this. He said, no, no, cut it off. They cut his finger off so he could keep playing the game, right? There, there's old style football. When I fell in love with the game, there was a guy named John Lynch, who's the general manager now for the San Francisco 49ers who played for the Denver Broncos, uh, for a while and also played for, um, the, uh, Tampa Bay bucks. And he was playing for the bucks when I was a kid. And I remember watching his highlight reel on repeat. And all he did was come across the middle to unsuspecting slot receivers, which, which by the way, I played, I played slot yeah. receiver. So I was the guy getting my head knocked off. I could not wait to watch John Lynch fly across the middle and kill one of these guys. And what was cool is you had guys forever. And these are later guys didn't play with him, but the, the guys that Julian Edelman was a guy that would go across the middle. He would get absolutely slaughtered. And how you knew he was tough and why people admired him was he was the first one to get up every time. You beat the defender off the ground. And that's part of being a man, right? And it, what we're trying to do is put bubble wrap around everybody forever. We should be encouraging the opposite. When, when life gets hard, you have to get tougher. You don't make life easier. It's impossible to do. And so, again, we want to make the sport as safe as can be. There are some things we want to get out of the game of football, right? But not as much as we've done. And this, again, I keep pointing out, this specific incident had nothing to do with football. This could have happened wrestling with your brother in the front yard, right? This, it just so happened. We, we still don't know if there's any background to this. Like it could have been just a medical emergency happening as he went for the tackle. We don't know anything. We, we don't know the least of it. Um, a lot of people are, are going out and they're saying, was he vaccinated? I mean, there's a million things that it could be. We don't know any of them. And so to say this is football's fault is crazy because I've seen that hit happened literally thousands of times over, over the, the NFL, probably a million times. I don't know. We've been playing football for a long time, maybe in the millions at this point for tackles. And never have we seen this before. So why are we freaking out? Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. It's impossible. I mean, look, it was an emotional thing. A lot of people were watching it. I can understand that people would would react uh, in a way that maybe isn't uh, completely reasoned at times. It's understandable. It's part of the human condition. But like you need to make sober decisions. You need to make uh, reactions that are based on, on facts and evidence. And, and, and that's what I hope we will eventually settle into here in the coming days. So TJ Mo, be sure to catch him on Fearless with Jason Whitlock right here on Blaze TV and YouTube and podcast. Uh, TJ, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, dude. Anytime. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. 
and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Adam Kinzinger, the former congressman, well, he was former congressman and was unemployed for approximately 18 seconds. And so he left uh, the House and he changed jobs to a completely different job. Incredible. He's now working for CNN. I mean, is there anything less surprising than Adam Kinzinger going to CNN? He, uh, of course, was the, a big Trump critic and one of those guys who was constantly on TV. He was in the January, on the January 6th committee. He was constantly on TV blabbing about Trump. And now he's going to take all that credibility he built up on CNN and go to CNN. Now, I've you know, seen this guy since 2016. He's just been a CNN contributor this whole time. I'm not saying he was getting paid by CNN. He was just on CNN all the time. I don't think he ever went to his office. I don't think he did a thing for his constituents. He was just giving CNN programming. And, you know, they covered every second of the January 6th committee. He was basically a host of his own show called the January 6th committee on CNN. That has been his life for the past couple of years. And now he is going to go to CNN in the ultimate lateral move. There's there's never been a more lateral move in the history of employment than Adam Kinzinger going to CNN. By the way, uh, CNN is very excited to tell you that tomorrow is the anniversary of the day democracy almost died. That's right. January 6th is tomorrow. And if you think that's not going to be completely annoying... You don't know what you're in for. January 6th is tomorrow. They are going to have 12 people honored with Presidential Citizens Medals uh, on the two-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection, as CNN loves to call it. Now, look, there are some people uh, on the police, uh, you know, Capitol Police, that really did do a lot of uh, brave things. Some people were injured. Some people were hurt. I mean, it was a look. I, we've talked about this hundred million times. Starting two years ago tomorrow, uh, you know, it's a, it was a very bad day in our history, and uh, no one looks back at it with fond eyes. However, the media and CNN in particular has tried to turn this into the giant, most giant catastrophe in human history. I mean, you know, just the other day, I don't know if you follow the uh, if you followed the Peru thing at all. In Peru, a guy was going to get impeached, the president. He came in in the morning and said, "You know what? Uh, before they impeach me, I'm going to dissolve the entire government." And then everyone was like, holy crap, the president just dissolved the government. He needs to be arrested. He's trying a coup. They went in. They arrested the guy. They put him in jail. All that happened within a four-hour period. You think we suck? Well, we kind of do. But we're not as bad as other places, at least. Our, Our insurrection was a slight delay in the normal workings of Congress. That's what happened. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not even minimizing it. That's just what happened on the day. The same day, all the stuff that was supposed to happen on January 6th still happened on January 6th. There was a riot. It was bad. People who committed violent acts should be arrested. Blah, 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 blah. We've talked about it a thousand times. But to act as if we're going to celebrate this like it's this giant anniversary... You know, I, I was watching a clip the other day and I, and I kept, you know, I, I've said this to you a hundred times. Like, I like calling it the QAnon riots. Like, I think that's a fair 
description of what happened. The guy had the horns. He went in there. He sat at the desk. People put their feet up on the Nancy Pelosi desk. They talked about, I don't know, pedophiles or something in, in, the, in, in Congress. And then it was over. And it was bad, but it was not something we needed to memorialize. And then they played a clip. Uh, I was watching some documentary on this. And they, they played a clip of Kamala Harris saying, there was December 7th, 1941. There was September 11th, 2001. And now there's January 6th, 2021. It's like, ah, right, guys, guys, please. Can we relax a little bit? Uh, by the way, the uh, latest example, uh, the latest edition of the Twitter files came out. And it's fascinating to see what is going on with this. Now, look, I don't really care about Twitter, to be honest. If Twitter does a lot of bad things or a lot of good things, I don't really care. Am I more excited about it being run by Elon Musk than the previous ownership? Yeah, sure. But like Elon Musk making Twitter the perfect website, I don't really care what he does with it, frankly. I, I'm not that worried about it. But I will say I am worried about what government does to silence people. You know, Twitter, we've talked about this before. Can they do what they want with their own website? I mean, I think they can as far as the way our system operates. I know sometimes people don't like to hear that, but in, in reality, like they can pretty, like they're building the website. They're, if you want to make a website that only allows conservative comments, you can do that. It's your website. The issue of course is Twitter has quite a bit of influence and I can understand people being mad at Twitter for what, what's happened. What I am mad about though, is the government trying to be involved. They're not allowed to be involved, certainly by the spirit of the First Amendment, but also, I would argue, by maybe the letter of the law when it comes to the government actually coming in and intimidating companies to change what they're doing. Now, I think we need a law that says you cannot do this. But Adam Schiff was doing it. In fact, he's one of the only people who were doing it poorly. And that might not surprise you because everything that Adam Schiff does, he does poorly. This exchange is hilarious. Uh, Adam Schiff requested these things. Remove any and all content about Mr. Misko, which I think it's one of his aides, and all other committee staff from its service to include quotes, retweets, reactions to that content. And Twitter says, uh, no, this isn't feasible. We don't do this. What about suspend a bunch of accounts about Gre uh, including Greg Rubini and Paul Sperry, S or Paul S. Perry, um, which have repeatedly promoted the false QAnon conspiracies will review these accounts, but uh, only one of them qualified for suspension. What about suppressing all search results about committee staff? No, we don't do this. Um, they go on and on. Uh, do we have, um, uh, what about labeling and reducing the visibility of any content about uh, somebody, redacted, that Twitter does not remove for reasons cited above? And they say, no, we don't do this. So the one person who got rejected on the left trying to get stuff pulled down was Adam Schiff because he's terrible at everything. But it, we should have a law on the books that says no. If you are a con congressman, if you are co congressional staff, if you're at all associated with the government in any way, you can't even request that anything gets pulled down. It is your job to stay out of the process of people expressing their political opinions. That's the spirit of the First Amendment. And if we need a law to reinforce that, because there's so many bad actors in Congress, I say we pass it. Mayor Eric Adams in New York is taking heat. He was apparently in, he was admitted uh, the other day that he took a secret two-day vacation 
to the U.S. Virgin Islands last week as New York City was hammered by a once-in-a-generation storm that flooded parts of the city. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, everyone beat up on Ted Cruz for this, uh, and I don't, they're not doing the same thing really with, with Eric Adams, who said he needed some time to de-escalate. Uh, and decompress uh, because I guess his his mom apparently passed away at some point and he was, I don't know, looking to recover and what better place than the U.S. Virgin Islands for that. I, I got to say, like the whole point of travel is to get away and a, a good time to do it is when you got a storm. Leave your deputy in charge then. Don't worry about it. Just look, could it be worse? That's what you always have to ask yourself. Could it be worse? Could the deputy be worse than Eric Adams? I don't know. We will see uh, if he gets in deeper trouble on this. And also, um, actor Ed Norton, Edward Norton, uh, he has discovered that his real-life, um, I guess, grandmother, his 12th grandmother, was Pocahontas, the real Pocahontas. That means his real-life Pocahontas was his 12th great-grandmother, which I'm pretty sure also means that Elizabeth Warren was his third great-grandmother. You know, catch the show free on YouTube. Click like right now and drop a comment, an algorithmic engagement comment below. We always appreciate it. Joseph says the happiest Glenn Beck has ever been on Stu's show, showing off his admittedly priceless historical toys. I love this stupid show. Five freaking stars. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Reagan or Batman. If I was so lucky, I could never choose. But what a wonderful problem to have. If you missed Glenn's segment with the uh, historical stuff he brought in yesterday, including Sput- the actual Sputnik. Uh, you you got to go back and watch that one. Uh, Susan says, hey, you gotta, uh, glad Stu is back with an algorithmic engagement comment. Yes, when you please the algorithm robots, the show gets more popular, people get to see it, and we do really appreciate it. So click like right now and drop a comment uh, below. And review the show as well on a podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This comes in. Longtime listener, Stu is smart and funny. He uses a lot of hard data to back up his positions. You know, statistics pretty good show. We haven't done statistics in a long time. We need to break that one out again. It's been a while since we've had some good statistics on this program. Coming soon.